begin to hack these computer systems through the phones. Through the phones, you can go onto websites that have, um, I don't know what, I, I guess they just have through the... Through phones? Yeah, through phones. So they actually have, I guess basically they have the programming information right there, and you just download it, and I don't know. I, I think it's through Bluetooth. I think a lot of it's happening through Bluetooth. Wow, I didn't hear about that. So I've seen it where even my, my son had, at some point had like a, a you know, his, his phone connected to Bluetooth to my phone, and then he, like, he could control, like, the screens. Like, I could see he could flip through the screens on my phone, you know? And this is just yeah. kids. This is just, you know, teenagers. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. But yeah, I figured we could record a little bit. I mean, I've just been, I try to eat just, I've been just putting out the episodes and I think I have like 42, 42 episodes that we just whipped together. I want to say that now. I've been watching a lot of podcasts lately. It's, um, it's crazy, yeah. Lex Friedman, he's pretty good. Um, and this Indian guy, but he's from America. He interviews a lot of science people and UFO people and stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. Not right now, of course, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, UFOs. I mean, I mean, it's it's becoming a big thing, you know. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, everybody everybody admits it. Everybody's acting like it's something new, right? <laughs> Well, they, yeah. they've been hitting us pretty hard with it since E.T., with the movies and stuff, kind of like getting us looking up that way, thinking like that, you know. I think they're, uh, I think, truthfully, I think they're, they're American, or they're, they're, um, New World Order made, operated. I don't, I don't necessarily think they're E.T.'s. I did, but I, something tells me that they're not. I don't know what it is. It's just building my head. Well, I mean, if you go back, even Hitler with the um, the Vril Society, I don't, I don't know what the deal with that was, but somehow they he, thought they, yeah. Well, he was with the, the Bell, it's called Dagaka, Dagaka, and something like that, the Bell Project, the Nazi Bell. That was supposedly uh, made with uh, two rotating electromagnetic fields, and they've proven that is accepted that that will cancel gravity. And I think they got the information and they've had 60 years to run with it. Right. They have. Well, if you've ever picked up anything that's really oscillating, like a fan blade or something, that it's hard to hold it. It wants to gyrate around in this kind of weird gyroscopic movement, you know? It doesn't want to just be held still, right? So right. there is something right. exactly. oscillating to it. And these are magnetic fields and... Uh, even the Viamanas from uh, India were were made with mercury, and they're, they're they're they were speculating that put mercury, putting electromagnetic fields through mercury because it's a metal, right? You know, because they could build it with, with a you know, India had the Viamanas things that supposedly really flew and shit. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been yeah, hearing that they need, years ago. like, Pyrex, like, that they've been using Pyrex glass for some of this stuff. Like, even the Nazis were, well, they they came up with the VTEC rocket engine, and they were, like, uh, they were experimenting with saucer flying 
objects, you know, the, uh, so, I, and then, of course, if you remember the history, they scooped up all the Nazi scientists, the Russians got some of them, I don't think they wanted to go with the Russians, right. but the Americans right. got a lot of them. Project Paperclip. Right. Yeah, or Operation Paperclip. That's how we got, uh, Warner Van Braun, the leader of NASA, was a Nazi, and he, he used to, supposedly, he used to kill the five slowest Jews each day. He had him killed that were working for him. Yeah. He was a real Nazi and he he he's the leader of he's the founder, pretty founding member of NASA. He he, he invented uh, the Apollo mission for him. Yeah, they um they definitely and there's a lot of them put in, in, in different uh, different colleges. Uh, and then and then MK Ultra is mind control. MK control is spelled K with a K in German. Right. And they were using their mind control stuff and you know I that I go I'll go off on that subject. That's no, I mean it's something it's that's so absurd that we put them in as heads of colleges and stuff here in America. Well that it's not absurd because you have to remember at the time, um, you have to go back to eighteen thirty three and then there in New Haven, Connecticut at, at Yale was established the Skull and Bones Society, and, and that that was that was established by William Russell right after he came back from Germany, where he was oh, he, really yeah he well he the reason why he went is because it was the year that he went was the year before right uh, at the funeral of William Friedrich Hegel. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, he he went the year following. Um, uh, uh, Russell went the year following the the funeral of Hegel. So there's a there's a tie in there, and he comes back and he forms Skull and Bones. So that was that had a lot to do with how uh, those German Nazi signed uh, doctors got just sucked in to the. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, and if you look at Hegel, you look at nine eleven. That was a gigantic Hegelian dialectic. You have the you have the you have the uh, the Muslims attacking America. That's the that's the problem. The, the thesis. You have the reaction. Everybody's freaked out and supposedly scared. And then you have the solution. You have the Patriot Act. You got the other the other laws that came into effect. Mm -hmm. And now now they're use, they're trying to use the Patriot Act. To prevent, uh, to arrest, I don't know, you've probably heard of parents in like PTA meetings and school board meetings. And stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. They're having they're having the FBI all across the country go into school board meetings, and supposedly they're going anybody there that does anything out of line is is a domestic terrorist, right? Which comes directly from the Patriot Act. Which means they can be taken, held with no bond, their pick, their relatives not notified, nothing, and they can be held as long as they want. That's right. That's well, how they got all these guys in, in down in um. That's what you're seeing in um, Cuba on the uh, the insurrection day. There what was it January sixth or whatever it was. Uh, the, the, apparently, there was a whole cohort of FBI informants that were like you know, running with that whole pack and kind of directing all that and, you know, as it built up. And it was a lot to do with the QAnon stuff, too. Yeah. So. They were encouraging them. And they, 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 you can, what you can do is not necessarily cause something, but encourage the wrong or right people that are going to be real troublemakers to act, act naturally and be troublemakers. Mm-hmm. 
I had a friend that was there. Uh, he went to it. He didn't invade the Capitol, but he was there. He went. Even if you were nearby or they had your phone data, they might come and arrest you. I mean, and apparently they're not letting them go and they're not. They're, 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 they're going to call you a domestic terrorist. And all, get, once you're labeled that, then all your rights go out the door completely. Also, um, you need to look into uh, Washington, D.C. Their particular police force there is becoming this national police force that apparently has the ability to reach out from Washington, D.C. And, and, and do all these investigations across the country. So they have special police powers. They're like a new Stasi up there, the Washington, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure they had a couple of those guys killed, and there was a few suicides, or, I don't know, several suicides in the last uh, several months over this whole issue of the insurrection thing. So they might have born a new, uh, a new uh, American Stasi force there with the Capitol Police. Because, I mean, Washington, D.C. is not a normal city, and it's not a normal county and not a normal like voting precinct. It's 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 a it's a city city state. It is. It's 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 especially fused with. It's its own country, really. Really, it is. And um, it's like Vatican City or the Square Mile in London. It really is. It, it's built in with. And I don't think it was established like that. I think it really happened from from my records in 1862 with Lincoln, because he really started the. The War Powers Act. He really started the executive orders. He, he issued the first executive orders because the quorum of the of the the Senate and and you know the judiciary, the uh, legislature was broken because the South had left. So he just yeah. started issuing um, orders and issuing laws. And when they shot him, I mean, I, I think he intended to put it back into the natural de jure, you know. American Republic, but when he when he was killed and the next one came into line, they kept it going. These executive orders, and that's how the whole country is run now. Just he signs the papers, he's got the EOs on this, EOs on that. I didn't know any of that. Wow. Yeah, that's where that came from. Those war powers, and they've just been yeah, they've just been kind of um, the whole time. They've just been kind of augmenting it. So now you know it's just strange. Now they they brought the uh, the, the, the what they really did is they brought the um, all the legislators and the senators back together in Washington, D.C., but now those states have lost all their rights. And they, would, they have something called the supremacy of the federal government, which the federal government is nothing but this tiny little capital, this little tiny little city, which was John Carroll's farm, and they build, build this huge capital on it, and now all the states have to submit to the, the power of the federal government. You know, that's what we're dealing with. That's up, man. Yeah, we used to be you know, state citizens. We used to be Floridians, or we used to be citizens of our state, and that was our primary government. And then they had this new national government they put together under Reconstruction after Lincoln. Yeah. Now our our supposedly government's just a just a shell of uh, of it's just a puppet. I mean, Biden doesn't come up with this shit. He just he's not smart enough to. Just come up with ideas. They don't trust him to come up with ideas. He, he's he's told what he says. It. He said, "Let me see." Well, he, he he was uh, but it, he was during a conference. He straight up says, "Okay, I ha- okay, I'm gonna take some questions. Let me look at the list of who I'm supposed to call on." He said that. Right. The list of who I'm supposed to call on of reporters. Yeah. Now every time he does it, they just cut off his mic. It's so crazy. He just yeah. There's no telling who's running. I guess it's Antifa's running the country. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's you got the Jen, Jen uh, Saki lady who goes up there, and she just, uh, it's. I think they're just a bunch of young Bolsheviks. You have no idea what to do. They got the tiger by the tail, and they have no idea what to do. I, I, mean, I think Obama's in the background, it looks like to me, that he's still. 
it's still the whole contingent. I see. I saw they had the, the, the Clintons up there taking pictures with Obama and with uh, Biden. So it's just really the same. I mean, uh, Obama has always been just kind of an arsonist and a, and a, and a political vandalist. You know, that's yeah. always been. And uh, I don't know. I, I haven't. He, he said yesterday his speech, he said, he was talking about the vaccination when he started it. He said, when I started the vaccination process, we were doing 3 million vaccinations a day. He's claiming credit for it. He's straight up claiming credit for it. I mean, it, it is a strange situation. I mean, like, the whole vaccine process got started under Trump, and now it's being kind of seized upon. And, and at first, Biden and all them were like, we won't take a Trump vaccine. And it's, you and know, exactly kill what you. They said. They're yeah. right, and everybody cried about that. They said, yeah, we, 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 I wouldn't, you know, Trump said it, I mean, Biden said it, and then Kamala Harris said it. Straight up said, I wouldn't trust a vaccine created under Trump. She said, "I need to look it up on YouTube." Yeah, but but both Biden and Harris are complete morons. They're the complete idiots. If you remember the the whole democratic process of of trying to come up with the the president was in 2016. The whole the whole process it was um, Biden and Harris were at the end. They were at the very bottom of the popularity, and, and they dropped out first. It was you know when Clinton was running Hillary. So they were just the complete losers of the party, but they're the most extreme. And you got to look at the connections between uh, Biden and Harris, because apparently Hunter Biden and Kamala Harris were doing some kind of business dealings like years and years before she was even brought up as a vice president. So she she has no standing to be vice president. She's obviously a coward and a fool, and she has she can't like you know run in there and take over. She just she's a nitwit. But the point is, is that she's she really always is. been, yeah, she's always been a, a business ally that they that, that, that's been running with the Biden. So, yeah, she they yeah, pit, she, yeah, yeah, she's I, being I, I said on my mom's birthday, August twelfth, I said Biden will not be here next year on your next birthday. He will not be president. I mean, I don't think Harris could handle it. I mean, she'd have to have people running her. I guess that's what's happening. But Trump too. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's almost like impossible to really criticize Trump because his popularity is so great, which is strange to me. But I'm not criticizing Trump. But my point is, is that it's hard for me to see him as, as someone other than. I mean, I've already supported you know financially, you know, Trump and everything because you know that's where we're at. But am I on some level? I'm worried that he's just the other side of the dialectic that's being built. You know. It, 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 I thought that I thought that too. New nationalism, be, a new nationalism. What if, could be what if the outcry now is is going to be? Huh? Yeah. What if he did this? What if he allowed Biden to become president? Well, he didn't necessarily allow it, but I think there's a third party. There has, between. Been, there has been outcry for the dialectic to work, an outcry for a solution. Right. Well, I think there's other there's another third party Washington deep state powers that are really lining up the whole ticket in the first place between one side and the other. It's the same thing they did in, in, in Germany, which was that they had the communist agitators from the outside who were really like ar ar anarchists who were blowing things up and just creating chaos. And then you had all these different, and they had these, the, the immigrants who were pouring into Germany and you see so had this outcry for the German state, for the German people to save Germany. Cause it was, you know, it, you know, so they needed, it was nationalism. They needed someone to make Germany great again. Right. So yeah. in that right. nationalist pressure between nationalism and the communist forces on the outside, that, that's that really Hitler wasn't really a nationalist. He was just somebody who seized on that on that uh, that that you know, outcry of the people for someone to 
may, you know, and that's what he, he seemed to be a strong leader. He probably could have been a good leader, but in the background, all the evil things he did were serving the interests of a third party. You know, there was a, there was a, there was somebody else orchestrating those, those events. Well, you know? And he was from Vienna. He was an Austrian from from Vienna who became the chancellor. I mean, it's obviously he's like this huge plant, like this cutout, you know, Hitler, you know. And and it's the same thing with Stalin because that's not even his real name. That's not yeah. Everyone knows that's not even that was like a fake name. But this scares me is all the stuff Biden said, all the lies that he said on all the. Like he said, he used to drive an eighteen wheeler. Did you see that? <laughs> Dude, the guy is breathing. Uh, yeah, they were they were at the eighteen assembly for the truckers union or something. He said, I used to drive one of these. He actually said that. He couldn't, he couldn't drive like, a golf cart. And yeah. they traced it back. He rode in a garbage truck one time as a passenger. That's the closest he came to drive an eighteen wheeler. Yeah, he's he he, listen. This he, guy, Biden, it's amazing because he's been there forty years. So, in, in the recesses of our subconscious mind, even when we were young men and kids, he's always kind of been on the TV talking in the background. He's always been there. Yeah, and he's always been this yeah. weird loser, and then and the, somehow for him to become president, be made president, which is really what he was made president, is really a sickening. Like it's like a psyop that worked. It, it, it kind of wretched. It's like a wretched feeling that we have that we're like, oh my god, like. You know, because we're as Americans, we're used to like having the volition to decide our, our 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 political choices, and you know what I mean. And all that is just it's just uh you know verbiage. Because really, in the end, it's not your body, your choice. It's just we want to kill you with abortion plans. We want to kill you with abortion mills yeah. and convince you to abort your babies. I mean, we also want to kill you with vaccines and with new, uh, new viruses we're genetically enhancing and Wuhan. You know, they, they're just, it's an onslaught. It's a depopulation yeah. onslaught. And the people... Bill, Bill Gates said it. Yeah, the, the people who are being depopulated, they can't handle it. They can't handle the truth. That's what it is. Yeah. We're being depopulated. That's what it is. I mean, they don't care. You know, I think that every once in a while somebody steps up and gets the vaccine and they just fall on the ground and they're flopping like a fish. And it's like every 10,000, like, you know, vial is. My, my sister's friend, she got the vaccine. And then last week she got the, uh, two weeks ago they were at a, they were at a barbecue together and she was fine. She had after the first vaccine. Then she got her second one. The next day she fell dead. Of oh anger. my God. They can't relate to COVID, and you can't you can't sue any of them. Yeah, no, because the law is under Trump. Remember, he had that great plan. He repeated it a thousand times that it's your right to try. So they have these new laws where you sign the paper, and they they're I don't know what they're trying. They said there's aluminum particles. I mean, there could be nanotechnology in this. So you, you have no idea yeah. what you're taking. And there's well, I got it. It's in me. So <laughs> right. well, I mean, I'm just saying that. I mean, I think that most of the time it's it's designed to create. A, a reaction in your body to mount, you know, antibodies against the virus. So, I mean, if that's what you got, then I guess it necessarily can't hurt you. But you didn't get the one that those other people got. I'm telling you, because something was wrong. Maybe they weren't refrigerated properly. I mean, they needed to be. Yeah. Really, I mean, those things are now like now like nine months old. I mean, I'm not interested in taking it. I think I'm healthy. I got yeah, really yeah. sick for a week where I, I lost my sense of smell. I'm pretty sure I, and I, you know, I. I'm pretty sure I have antibodies, so I'm just gonna go that way, you know. And I'm not scared of the propaganda, you know. But in some of the centers of the city centers, like wherever you go, the people are really intensely stressed out about it. Like with the masks, it's creating like stress between the people. I mean, they're really like freaking out. Like mask, don't mask. You know, what's the like proper social mourning? Yeah. 
and there, there's so much confusion around it. And and now the third vaccine, they're, I'm supposed to get the third vaccine. I'm not going to get it. And my dad got it, and he was sick as hell. And he didn't get sick from the other Is that day. the booster? Is, it, is that the third one is the booster? Yeah. I'm freaking out about that. If you just follow their instructions, I, I'm, not, I'm worried where it leads, you yeah. know? So. Uh, this is his phone. Okay. But I'll call you back later. Stay in touch with me on Facebook throughout the day, and I'll call you back later. We'll report. Okay. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Later, man. So that was an update for one of our spokespersons, one of our, our fearless leaders, our uh, the superior general of the order of skull and bones, if you will, of the, the order of skeleton key, if you will, a little book club, we have a book club, a little group of us that um, try to stay in touch and try to keep the faith and try to maintain the pure light of knowledge and reason. And it's not that easy to do. So we work hard to stick together on that. And obviously we're people who follow the, the old way, the old Christians of the way, if you will, the first century church, they had a really rough time with the Romans. They were persecuted and, and burnt and fed to the lions. If you remember they didn't, didn't survive very well. They were stamped out of existence uh, for several centuries, and then it came to the period of the, the emperor of Rome, who was Constantine, and Constantine merged the, the Christian cult, if you will, with the state religions, and it, it, it made Christianity legal, if you to put it into the parlance of the time. And when the Christian cult was made legal, and the bishops and the pastors were no longer persecuted and hunted in the catacombs, but brought out to become public servants of the state and become political leaders and senators, if you will, of the Roman state. Then that's when the syncretism and the, the gradual changing of degrees of the actual gospel of, the, of, the, of Jesus Christ was changed to a catechism, and to a liturgy, and to a priestcraft that is now what we see today overseen by the, the Vatican, the Bishop of Rome, the Holy See. I mean, when you're at the United Nations, the Vatican has a seat at the United Nations, is a, is a signature of the United Nations, and has standing as a sovereign nation. So the, uh, the Holy See, the Vatican, the Papacy, the Bishop of Rome, the King of Rome, he has many titles and many hats that, that, that he wears. And we understand, like Charles Spurgeon, if you go back and look at, the, you know, Charles Spurgeon was a very famous preacher. He preached that it was that actual city on seven hills there in Rome where Caesar long reigned with legions, where the command came to Pontius Pilate that... Uh, you know, criminals were to be executed, and that's it. it was Jesus Christ who, who was hung on a Roman stake. It's the same city of Rome that styles itself as the Church of God today. But we know it's the same geopolitical empire that it always was. But we say all that just to point out that we're followers of the the gospel of Jesus Christ from that first century, 
and it was renewed again under Martin Luther when they actually went and broke away from some of the the, the laws and the, the canon laws and the doctrines of Rome and actually read the Greek when I mean, no one had translated the Gospels yet. You can imagine they were in Greek and so when learned men like Martin Luther finally read them and the message finally came through and touched their hearts and they actually were saved by the power of the gospel, they began to believe by faith and not by works. And they didn't need to have all these superstitions and the religious accoutrements that Rome offered with all kinds of, uh, with Tetzel who offered so many indulgences for sins and you paid, you paid the church to have a, an indulgence in order to get away with, you know, to get away with continuing to sin or you would go to the priest and tell them your secret sins and, and they would absolve you and you could continue to, uh, you cleared your slate, you could continue to go back and sin some more. And, but of course, as we know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is far more difficult and far more challenging than that. It requires us to stop sinning and to do good and to do, uh, to where, you know, to, to build up where we, before we stole and to do good where we, before we did evil. And so it, there's no absolution sin and must and we must be um it must be extinguished in our lives and that's what the request and the, that's what the the gospel and the message and the the campaign of jesus christ was all about and so we we represent that first church we represent that original reformation of luther and of, of zwingli and wycliffe and john huss and all the the, the reformers who got a hold of the bible and started to print it and have it sent around everyone so they could read that they no longer that, that you know what salvation really truly was so those are the body of thinkers and researchers and lecturers and believers and authors and friends that we have here in the in the order of the skeleton key and of course our secret book club is open to everyone as we learn more and and along that lines just based on the last episode we did the episode the discussed Metternich and the Secret Treaty of Verona. And I had something to more to add on that, just an update. And I've been just reading the article because it's a little bit of a, of, of a heavy-duty kind of piece uh, of, of reading, of literature to kind of put out there. And it's about Henry Kissinger. It's about how they began to move from this process of, of um, neo-feudalism and reordering the world along the lines of the monarchical powers and, and designing international weapons against democracy and against Republican and popular governments and then moving it towards this globalization because a globalization is, is like communism. Globalization and, and universal move towards one worldism destroys nationals. It destroys nations. Okay, and that's the whole point of it. When you have a supranational government over over top of all the other nations, then you, your nation just became a sector and a, and a smaller division and a larger corporate body. And so as Americans, we want to keep our, our national sovereignty. We want to keep our country as the, the, the only government that we have. We don't need any other governments, any other corporate mergers with, with Asia or China or other governments of the United Nations. We don't need, you know, blue helmet United Nations soldiers marching around the, in the U.S. That's why we need our sovereignty. So this article here, Kissinger's Adoration for the Congress of Vienna, semicolon, a master key into the universal history, authored by Matthew J.L. Errett, and he's someone who, he, he's the founder and lecturer and historical analyst, and he writes for Canadian Patriot Review, and he's someone who can be found on Geopolitics and Empire Podcast. So, let's read. 
The incredibly shrinking Henry Kissinger is known for many things, but a revolutionary is not one of them. Over the years of service to the empire, the career geopolitician has been cons consistent in his unfailing commitment to, one, destroying the Westphalian system of sovereign nation-states, i.e. popular government. Number two, promote population control across the whole developing sector of the world. Number three, advocate limited nuclear war in opposition to the more popular visions of total nu nuclear war. And four, selectively overthrow troublesome governments as a co-architect of the color revolutions. So we can see where he's going to go with this as an extension of the Holy Alliance, as an extension of the, the Congress of Vienna. Let's go back to the article. The unifying theme throughout has been Kissinger's total commitment to stability. No matter what chaotic events chose to advance his agenda, you can be sure that Kissinger does it all for the near religious commitment to order and stability. Although too often overlooked, Henry Kissinger's first published work in 1957 was called A World Restored, Metternich, Castlereagh, and the Problems of Peace, 1812-1822. to and he offers us the greatest insight into the broader historical forces which young Kissinger understood and which won him entry into the most trusted inner echelons of the oligarchy. Also offers us a short, a sort of master key into the unraveling some major historical paradoxes that will assist us in making great sense out of our present age, plagued by color revolutions and war. In previous articles, I advanced several concepts, which I will add to in this current story, that the American Revolution was a global rather than local phenomenon, which involved players from across Europe, as well as India and Morocco, who not only made the Republican Revolution a success, but intended to bring that success back to their own countries as part of a broader emancipation of humanity from systems of hereditary elites. Two that the French Revolution was intended to be the first expression of that process outside of America before British intelligence transformed it into a Jacobin terror that killed all of the qualified Republican leaders. Three, the National Endowment of Democracy, which is behind today's color revolutions, was created as a trilateral commission scheme under the guidance of Henry Kissinger and Zbigniew Zabrinsky, two men who are not all you know, very familiar with, Two men not known for their democratic sympathies. In this report, I wish to pick up from where we left off, the British sabotage of the French Revolution and the 20-year reign of the destruction of Europe, led by the Rothschild-funded asset of chaos, Napoleon Bonaparte, who was finally put down on June 18, 1815. In A World Restored, in Kissinger's book, Kissinger identifies that the 1815 Congress of Vienna as the greatest lesson for statesmen of all ages. Why? Because it entailed the restoration of the order of the European elite after a process of chaos unleashed by the 1776 revolution in America. So let's just put a pin in it right there. I think that it's, it, it's important here to point out that this chaos that was released was, was orchestrated and it served the purposes the chaos of Napoleon served the purposes of the men who put it together, and it's and it is obviously the, the people who set Napoleon into motion are the people that took him out of power, and ultimately got together right after he was taken out of power in 1815 to kind of calculate the results and to 
to re, re, redraw the borders, if you will, after all the chaos. But the same men had been in control consistently throughout the entire period. And the point of Napoleon was to reinforce monarchical power. So as we get back to our article here, Kissinger identifies the 1815 Congress of Vienna as the greatest lesson for a statesman of all ages. Why? Because it entailed the restoration of the order of the European elite after a process of chaos unleashed by the 1776 revolution in America. In Kissinger's worldview, justice and freedom have no existence. Evil does exist, but only as that which causes disequilibrium. The, the hereditary elite of 1815 was obviously more than a little nervous living in a world that had lost its equilibrium. The revolutionary fervor of 1776 and its international spread demonstrated that the absolute power claimed by the Zeusian gods of Olympus was little more than an illusion which could be taken away if the people organized themselves appropriately. In this thesis, Kissinger wrote how Britain's Lord Robert Castlereagh and Prince Clemens von Metternich led in the most brilliant reconstructing of political structures in the wake of Napoleon's defeat, which supposedly brought uh, peace to Europe for nearly 100 years, but nothing could be further from the truth. The Congress of Vienna and the roots of the color revolutions. When one looks closely at the Congress of Vienna, the restoration of order valued by Kissinger was premised upon the attempted killing of creativity and love of freedom by imposing a political, cultural dictatorship on the bodies, minds, and souls of all of Europe. And how was this done? After several months of booze-soaked orgies, which saw representatives and emperors and princes and ministers of every government of Europe debauch themselves in spy-infested salons and parties under the guidance of Prince von Metternich and Lord Castlereagh, several treaties resulted. The restoration of monarchical France. The creation, number two, the creation of the Holy Alliance under the control of Metternich, which comprised an alliance of Austria, Prussia, Russia, and for a time, Britain and France. The Carlsbad Decrees that featured a comprehensive cultural dictatorship, which considered the most important weapon against revolutionary ideas that needed to be wiped off the face of the earth. The Carlsbad Decrees imposed a strict dictatorship over thoughts themselves, whereby inquisitors loyal to the Holy Alliance were placed in every university with absolute power to fire professors and expel students who were accused of Republican ideas. Anyone who was expelled or fired from, the in, from a university was prevented from working or studying in any other university in Europe, which is why America saw a surge of Republican immigrants during this period. All newspapers had to submit their works to official censors who edited all papers until they were deemed acceptable to the elite and all books were subject to censors with thousands of poets and philosophers deemed unprintable. Anyone seeking to read the writings of Friedrich Schiller, Thomas Paine, or Benjamin Franklin would be out of luck. And we might point out here that we, we learned in the last episode that it was a central tenet of the secret treaty of Verona. It was a central tenet of the, of the secret treaty of Verona to use the press and to create propaganda and to manipulate ideas in a national and otherwise international way. And that's what they intended to do. Let's continue on. Metternich's leading advisor and enemy of Friedrich Schiller, Friedrich von Schlegel, stated that, quote-unquote, the true nursery of all these destructive principles, the revolutionary school for France and the rest of the world, has been North America. Thence, the evil has spread over many lands, either by natural contagion or by arbitrary communication, unquote. Thus, for the destructive principles of republicanism to become undone, 
America itself would have to be destroyed from within as with the ideas which spreaded it everywhere they arose. Of course, the suffocation of the natural sentiments for freedom and creativity resulted in a backlash, which should have been expected by Metternich and his ilk, Lafayette's second chance. In 1830, this backlash manifested itself around the person of the aging revolutionary Marquis Lafayette, who at 19 became a leading figure in American revolutionary history when he rode with George Washington, and at 32 nearly became president of France, and ultimately lived through much of the French Revolution in a Habsburg dungeon as an enemy of the oligarchy after the revolution was hijacked and converted into a color revolution by the British Foreign Office. From 1824 to 1830, Lafayette, operating as a head of the European branch of the Society of Cincinnati, there's only, always these secret societies behind everything. I think that's what we're kind of developing, that, that, that fact and that salient reality is coming out in the, this uh, show here. So the European branch of the Society of the Cincinnati was organized as an international counter-revolution against the Congress of Vienna and the Holy Alliance. Much of this organizing for this little-known historical movement entailed a months-long sojourn to America, where the war hero campaigned for the presidency of John Quincy Adams, who narrowly defeated the Wall Street candidates of his day in 1824, and organized American support for a new European revolution that was to begin in France in 1830. The plan was simple. The French Revolution was ready to revolt against the abuses of the new king, and Lafayette was positioned to take control. Once he was declared the president of France, the errors of the Jacobin bloodbath of 1784 and 94 were corrected. Then Republican movements were ready to declare independence in Poland, followed by movements in Germany, Spain, and beyond. But it had to work in France. From 1828 to 1830, some of the greatest intellects of America found themselves in France working to advance this cause. Some of the most notable figures working closely with Lafayette were James Fenimore Cooper, American inventor, artist, and spy, Samuel B. Morris, who was one of the main uh, writers and authors who we were talking about in the last episode. Also among them, Edgar Poe, West Point leader, General Sylvanus Thayer, and America's ambassador to Spain, Washington Irving. So the whole drama uh, unfolds between Marquis Lafayette and in his chance to become president. Lafayette died in 1834 after watching King Louis-Philippe turn on the people and become the same tyrant which the revolution of 1789 sought to end. In spite of his death, the fervor for freedom from monarchism couldn't be stifled directly. Instead, a technique was honed called Neo-Jacobinism, which used anarchism to direct the rage of the masses towards breaking all structures identified as the establishment, while in reality keeping said establishment in place. Today's color revolutions are merely 21st century versions of this 19th century technique. Lord Palmerston, who ran Britain's foreign office and worked closely with the Holy Alliance, used a vast array of assets throughout the 1830s and 40s and 1850s to direct the polarized energy of disenfranchised youth towards the greatest degrees of chaos possible under the heading of the Young Europe Movement. Jesuits, Confederates, and Transcendentalists undermine America. Working closely with Italian Grand Master Freemason Giuseppe Mazzini, Young Italian and Young Germany, Young Russia, Young Bosnia, Young Ireland movements were created. A Young America movement grew in the, in the United States 
under the guidance of Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, himself under the direction of British intelligence officer Thomas Carlyle, and the new movement of the New England Transcendentalists, which Edgar Poe fought against tooth and nail, was also under his auspices. Throughout this process, the inventor Samuel Morris wrote an invaluable book entitled Foreign Conspiracies Against the Liberties of the United States, 1841, by describing Prince Metternich's Holy Alliance and its deployment of Jesuits throughout America, the Americas to undo the American Revolution when he said, quote-unquote, the latter came from the same quarter in the shape of hundreds of Jesuits and priests, a class of men notorious for their intrigue and political arts, and who have a complete military organization throughout the United States. Quote-unquote, while the young America transcendentalists in the North grew in influence, promoting a new self-centered mysticism antagonistic to the principles of America's constitution, Jesuit infiltration spread throughout all areas of influence in the Americas. The third branch of warfare was deployed as Giuseppe Mazzini coordinated a Confederate general by the name of Albert Pike, who was to go on to lead the Southern Secession Movement alongside British Foreign Office asset Jefferson Davis, which nearly put an end to the American experiment in 1861. Under Mazzini's direction, Pike revamped the Scottish Rite, Freemasons, and created the KKK, both of which were instrumental in playing in undermining America's constitutional traditions from within. So when Sir Henry Kissinger comes out promoting democratic revolutions against dictatorships on the one hand, and also promoting anti-revolutionary movements like the Congress of Vienna of 1815 on the other hand, rest assured that there is no contradiction. The world which such technocratic zombies like Kissinger and the, and the hives of the Rhodes scholars, which he represents, live in define stability and equilibrium as the greatest goods in politics. They inversely believe that all creative change that reduces predictability are evils to be wiped out at all costs. And such movements as the Belt and Road Initiative, just like the American Revolution of 1776 and its international expressions, must be destroyed, even at the cost of risking nuclear war. This article appeared on Strategic Cultural Foundation. Alright, so we just added that little bit in there, something for you to think about. And uh, we'll be back soon with another incredible episode and another guest.